This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. ACC still has five teams in the Associated Press Top 25 because maybe they just took pity on the Miami players because the last thing you want is to be, I guess, failed by your head coach. But my gosh, what was Mario Cristobal thinking about uh, at the end? And I don't want Eric McLean of the ACC Network to come on here and criticize a head coach. Uh, but do you have a theory, sir, as to what Mr. Cristobal was likely thinking about when he could have just taken a knee? Um, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think, honestly, man, it's, Again, and like you said, it, it, it's tough, right? Because you know you're in a spot where you know you have to be around this guy and, and talk to him. And I'll, I just don't like being super negative about people anyway. But right. honestly, I mean, it's it's one of the worst you know decisions I've I've ever seen. I mean, it's just I don't understand it. I don't know the reasoning. I don't know why you don't just win the game. Um, and really, to, to be honest, I, I hadn't heard this until I was doing. Uh, ACC today this morning with Roddy Jones. We, we do Mondays together, and right. I, had, I hadn't heard the presser sound uh, from Coach Cristobal. But the, the way that he not deflected, but didn't fully take blame and say this is on me, this is my fault. It was a lot of we should have recalibrated, we should have taken a timeout, we should have had two hands on the football. And I'm just like, what? Yeah, what are, no, what they, are you talking about? They should have it's taken a knee the play before. Right. Like the game was over. There's no question. There's no questions about anything. It was a virtual certainty until it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And and look, there were you can make an argument and I want to get to Tez Walker here, but you can make an argument that you know what? I kind of think Cheney was down before the ball came out. But I well, get I yeah. right, I get why yeah. they didn't overturn it because there wasn't clear-cut video evidence to overturn the call on the field. Had they called it down by contact on the field, I don't think they would have reversed it reversed. to a fumble, right? right? Yeah, so you can I, I, I it was uh I think it was punishment for being silly enough to call that play. They're like, "No, you got to live with this, dog." Sorry. That's exactly I, what I thought. I think elbow was down. I think he was down. <laughs> I thought he, I thought he was down. But either that uh, and certainly the defensive back should have made a better play on the ball, should have at, at the very least knocked it down, should have intercepted it, but he misjudged the ball and probably jumped too early. Then it's a, yeah. And then they lost, uh, I don't know how you lose contain there. Uh, but whatever, uh, it is what ha- it, it's why college football is maybe the greatest reality show that we have in sports because crazy, dumb things happen. All right, let's get yeah. to uh, North Carolina continuing to their undefeated season with a thorough win over Syracuse. The the outcome of the game takes a backseat to the fact that Tez Walker was allowed to play. The humanity of it for me, Eric, is that this is a kid who should have been allowed to play at the beginning of the year. And how amped do you think he was coming out of the field? Oh, man, I, I can't even imagine. I tried to kind of put myself in that, but I just don't have anything in life that, you know, was taken away from me the way it was, like it, like it was Tez, and then to be given back. Um, and a lot, like you said, like never should have ever been in this situation. And, you know, I, I love the, the match that the NCAA and North Carolina got in of if they would have provided. And North <laughs> right. Carolina was like, 
dog, we provided everything from jump. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, what was hilarious to me, but what a great opportunity. What an amazing feeling. And, you know, for him to be as involved as he was six catches, um, you know, probably could have had a couple more, but yep. you know, it just was what it was. And maybe even a couple of touchdowns. There's no question that he is elite. He's going to be a massive feature and piece of this, this offense. And, you know, it's just one of those things. It's a matter of timing now, like obviously he's been practicing, but you know, we, we know a game is, is so much different. So really expect his uh, contributions uh, pieces of this offense to only heighten, uh, you know, a, as this game continues and, and that's down the field. Like he was the second leading receiver in catches, mm-hmm. um, but just, just production down the field touchdowns. I think that's about to ramp up. Yeah. Drake may missed him on that one diagonal route across the field. He had him wide open. He just threw a bad ball. Um, but the thing about it is that he had, but Tez, because we had no idea that he that the NCAA was ever going to uh, reverse course, so he had been working with the the scout team, hadn't really been catching passes from Drake the last few weeks, and my understanding was he had been destroying UNC's starting defense. So I do expect at some point he is going to become the featured receiver. But man, now you've got uh, him, you've got McCollum, the tight end. Uh, you've got what JJ Jones, they've got, they've got multiple options now for may. And by the way, they might be a better running team than they are a passing team. Right. And, and Oh, by the way, he uses them all, right. It's not yeah. one of those things where, uh, you know, he, he just goes to one or two guys. I mean, he has the full arsenal at his display. It's funny. I was looking at the, you know, the box scores after the game and North Carolina threw passes to 11 different people all while Syracuse threw to four different people. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's absurd. That's crazy what Drake has in his arsenal. But truly, I mean, every game that goes by, man, I just see his greatness, how good of a player he is. And really, it just solidifies to me. I think he's going to be the number one pick. I mean, I know everyone's kind of locked into to Caleb Williams. But the things that this guy shows with football IQ, identifying where the blitz is coming from, gets the ball right behind it, the, the awareness to if you drop eight, I'm just going to slowly get it to my check down, let him pick up 10, 12 yards. Arm strength has always been on display. His creativity, mm-hmm. the left-handed pass a couple <laughs> of weeks ago, the pop pass to his tight end this week, uh, and then just his mobility. I mean, he is the total package. There, there's no questions about any part of his game, who he is as a person, what he can do on a football field. I mean, he, he's he's the most surefire pick, I think, in this coming draft. I, I personally think Caleb Caleb Jones, Caleb, former uh, Hurricanes defenseman. Uh, I I think Caleb Williams will be the first pick, but I think Drake will be the second, unless the Chicago Bears keep both of their picks, in which case they probably, I shouldn't say they definitely won't, because I could see the Bears uh, taking two quarterbacks just to make sure they got it right. Because uh, you don't, and they might both be, uh, you know, NFL stars. But I think Williams is going to be the first pick. But I think Drake is probably going to be the second, uh, regardless whether the Bears uh, keep it or not. Um, all right, let me uh, get the fact that those two teams, the teams we've already talked about, they play. And I, I was going to get to this with Miami. It's a good thing that Miami's really having a good year. It probably takes some of the heat off of Mario Cristobal. The biggest part of their season, I think, has been their offensive line. But Carolina's defense has been really good, much better than anybody expected. How do you see that matchup? Yeah, man, I, I think it's uh, 
we're going to obviously learn a lot about Miami quickly, right? You know, when, when you see how obviously that game went overall, I mean, they played poor, both Georgia tech and Miami played horrible. Right. Um, somebody had to win. They both tried to lose, but somebody had to win. <laughs> um, and, and you know, as it's, as it's written right now, three and a half point favorite for the Tar Heels, um, Miami's going to be pissed. Miami's going to be motivated. Miami's going to be at their A game. You're going to get the best, you know, hurricane team that you possibly can. What do you do with that? How are you able to weather that storm? Because for a couple of years now, you you probably know better than I do, but North Carolina's had their number. And I mean, even when, you know, both teams are really good, I I think Javante Williams just scored another rushing. (laughs) Yeah, he did. He just scored another rushing. Uh, so, I mean, they're comfortable in this game, right? There's no yeah. hype that's too much for the heels. And, again, I think they're playing at such a high level at, at really every phase of football right now. Do we see their most complete game in a massive ranked opponent at home? So, I can't wait to see it, man. Uh, it, it's going to be a ton of fun. Prime time, 7.30 game, ABC. Uh, so, what an opportunity, really, for both teams. But I'll, I'll stray with the undefeated one in North Carolina to make a statement and, and to continue to, you know, garner respect and, you know, just be a, a force man nationally, because, you know, I, I think 12 is nice, but I don't think there's any question that this is a top 10 team when they're playing at their, their, you know, best. Look, I, it, it's a, it's kind of a vintage, I, I should say vintage year for the ACC, but I don't know if vintage is the right word because we haven't had a, uh, a year where we had so many good teams and the other game, the the night game on ACC Network is NC State at Duke. And I'll ask you about MJ Morris in a second, but I actually think it was good that Duke had the bye week after the Notre Dame game because that's one that could have lingered. I thought Duke was the better team than Notre Dame. I really did. I thought they outplayed Notre Dame in that game, and they should have won it. They kind of blew it at the end. Um, I, how do you see that game? I, I love what what the Blue Devils have done. Oh, man, no, no question about it. But I, I think obviously a... Hey, it's Adam Golden. I'm in studio with my friend, Coach Pete DeRuta with the Capital Financial Advisory Group. Is it ever too soon to seek out you and your expertise? Really, there's no too soon. It's time to get serious. So if you're 50 or over, we call it the financial red zone. And that's when really it's time for you to take control of your money and, and make sure you have a firm on your side that's a fiduciary planning firm, which means they take your side at all times. Now, we'll do this for the next 10 of you who call. This is a $1,000 value, but I'm going to waive my planning fee to make sure you get your total retirement plan and you get on the right path for retirement. Call 888-843-0013, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. You know, just a massive question mark, you know, at, at quarterback. You right. know, and, and you know, with, with what we're going to see from them and, and how differently is it going to be, um, you know, I, I think is going to be, just interesting. I mean, what we've seen from, you know, quarterback plays 100%, right, when Bellin goes in the game. He's 8 for 8, 100 yards, touchdown. I mean, looked fantastic uh, when he got his opportunity. But when you're the guy, obviously it's a little different. Now, the other nice thing, you talk about lingering and having that bye week. The other good thing is if, if Riley's unable to go, which I just assume, I don't know if we've seen anything official, uh, you know, he's had a week now, Bellin, to be the guy. Yep. And to practice and to understand and go through meetings and, just all these different things. But, you know, Riley is the leading passer and leading rusher. So that's a big <laughs> chunk that is gone. Um, but other guys stepping up, I mean, certainly this is not a one-man pony show uh, for Duke. They're very consistent. Run game has been elite. Uh, offensive line is great. Hopefully Graham Barton is back. Yeah. I haven't seen new news about that as well. Um, and you've got a really sweet core of receivers 
for Duke that I think that that makes it easier for you in a transition as well. Those guys can really help you. Who's going to be the security blanket? Who gets, you know, a bulk of the passes if things break down? I can't wait to see it. I'm so jacked up that we're there and get to see it in person, man. MJ Morris had a really good, I mean, he, he certainly made some mistakes against Marshall, but MJ Morris looked pretty good. But Duke, their defensive line is going to put a lot of pressure on him. Uh, I thought we saw good things from MJ Morris. So we thought we saw good things from Casey Concepcion. I thought Timmons uh, yeah. really showed out. Like I think, and and they they rediscovered the tight end Trent Penix. So we hadn't really <laughs> seen him much at all this season. Like there were enough good signs for NC State. That's by the way a three and a half point line as well. I think the Wolfpack can build on what they did. I just think Duke's defense is probably too good. Yeah, well, the, the good thing, again, Marshall is, is a heck of a defense, yep. too. So it's it's almost like a, a – not a warm-up because I don't want to be disrespectful, but it's a, it's a nice game to have before Duke because you, you're going against a very physical team with a great defensive line. I mean, they had two sacks, seven tackles for loss. Uh, it, Marshall has some dudes. Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot Alston, I mean, he, he's a guy that – you know, can really be active and, and get out there from the defensive line position for Marshall. So I think what, what you saw there was certainly nice to get prepared for this game. Uh, but as you said, a different animal, uh, a different group uh, that, that you're going to have to go against and, and just crank that level up. You, you talk about the mistakes for MJ. Really, the, the picks, man, I, I'm – obviously he threw the ball, so there's a little bit of blame. But really, I, I don't think – any of the three were necessarily on him. I mean, the first one goes right through your guy's hands. Right. Uh, maybe it was a little hot. Maybe it was a little high. Whatever people want to say. But I think you have to catch that ball. Obviously, the second one, the pick six, high snap to the right. He's making a blind throw to the left. And guys just forget how to play football and block. And the dude <laughs> jumps right into a pick six. And then, of course, the third one that got tipped there as well. So he was balling, man. And, and to be able to respond from those and, and to keep going, mm-hmm. Uh, and we did see increased production in the run game. So I feel like we have answers on that side. We have a big question mark of what it's going to look like on the Duke side. So that that game is, is very intriguing to me, and I think it's going to come down to the wire. First time in a long time those two teams have played. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't think Porter Rooks' uh, heart was necessarily in blocking on the wide receiver screen. Uh, but there's a lot of things that could go into it. Uh, he could have just also missed the guy. Right, because I think uh, the defender—I forget his name—was uh, probably on top of him more than uh, than he anticipated. Uh, yeah, all right. it's tough when you throw those screens into press coverage out there, man. It's, <laughs> it's not the most ideal thing. No, to, look, I don't want to—I don't want to slam a kid, and I—I I loathe doing that. Uh, but it's like, hmm, that uh, may be a block there. Uh, r- r- real quick, because uh, as a former Clemson Tiger, Eric McLean. Uh, they sort of got got away with it, I guess, 17-12 over Wake Forest, and they've got a week off. Um, but I still think that there is good football for them. I, there's no way they're not one of the top 25 teams in America. I anticipate them finishing the season in the top 25. What have you seen from them? Yeah, man, really, I think it's uh, a little bit disappointing because of the lack of consistency. Um you know, and, and what I'm talking about is the offensive side of the ball. You know, you kind of thought that what, what this was to me was a perfect blend of, of where they have been these last couple of weeks and the Duke game where I'm just like, what the heck am I watching? Right. Because there was times where I'm like, oh, okay, that was nice. That was a good pass. That was a good throw. Like the concept, like the run. 
And then there's other times where I'm just like, what are we doing? Like, who's blocking who? Why are you throwing a tight end screen on third and one? Like, what is happening? Uh, and it's just really weird, the, the lack of consistency that we've seen on that side of the ball. They, they average four and a half yards per pass. I mean, it's just not pushing the ball downfield at all. No deep threat at all. Um, it was just weird. Inside run was very limited because of what big Wake Forest was doing. And, you know, short yardage, the offensive line was getting pushed back, not getting movement forward. Uh, weird game. And, and, and then the turnover, my goodness. You know, I, I like thought I was in a different dimension when I saw that turnover happen, when he, they just dropped the ball and it's just sitting there in a short yardage, short field. And, uh, you know, then, then Wake Forest gets the ball on the 10 yard line or whatever it was, but the defense played great. I mean, they were really put mm-hmm. into weird adverse situations, um, again, and, and they just stood tall. I mean, to hold, hold the team to essentially six points outside of, you know, a, a touchdown in trash time there when, when they're fighting and clawing. Um, I mean, those guys were elite, pushing the line backwards, got some sacks and turnover, uh, some TFLs. It, it's just, man, you'd love to see them get more consistent, play at a high level. Because I agree. I mean, the flashes are there. We saw for three games straight they looked unbelievable and that they were back to what they we thought they could be. Um, and then you, you take a step back here. So, interesting. I think the bye comes at a great time. And, you know, then you have a Miami team that's either 2-0 yeah. or 0-2. Uh, yep. Or you know, coming off a massive win, and you travel down there, so you got to weather that storm. We'll, we'll be fascinating once that game week comes around to see where each team is. Yeah, Clemson's next five games are something else: at Miami, at State, home against Notre Dame, home against Georgia Tech, home against North Carolina, before finishing yeah. at South Carolina. Uh, so that's uh, that's difficult. Uh, Amelia Rose is favored by how many points? Congratulations, <laughs> Eric McLean. My man, all of them. She's got all the favorites, man. Just had a big birthday, turned one years old. Crazy to think about. Um, man, she, she's the absolute best. She, she's pulling up, standing on everything. No walking yet, uh, but but she's close and she wants to, man. She's flying around all over the place. I appreciate you asking. Oh, uh, man, uh, there's nothing better than fatherhood. All right, brother. No I'll talk to you very soon, Eric. Take care. All right, man. I appreciate you always. You got it. Eric McLean, ACC Network. Yes, turned uh, turn one like uh, two weeks ago. Uh, but it's been a while since we have spoken to Eric McLean. Uh, look, the, the, the ACC is actually very good because Clemson's not ranked. Miami probably won't be ranked, I think, after this week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. But there's, I mean, Louisville has put themselves into a position where, I mean, they're on they're six they're six and zero, oh, and we knew going into the season that Louisville's schedule was not going to beat them over the head. They drew the and North Carolina did also, by the way, in terms of conference games, draw a pretty friendly schedule. Remember when Mac Brown was complaining about? 
Well, our schedule, blah, blah, so, 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 uh, I hate that they gave us all these hard games at the end. Like, there's, we didn't expect Miami to be as good as Miami was. And I, again, I said this before, I actually think that North Carolina, rather Miami catches a break, or Mario Cristobal catches a break because they have been very good. Of course, if they lose at North Carolina and then they lose at home to Clemson, remember all the goodwill from 5-0? and It doesn't matter anymore. Because all of a sudden you're five and three and you gave away a win. And I'm not saying that Mario is going to get fired, but you just never want to give people a reason to create that that groundswell, right? You don't want to give anybody a reason to erode your support. And I know he's one of them, but the you can't just give games away. And they absolutely gave game gave that game to Georgia Tech away. I still can't believe what I watched. I turned it on, and the worst part about it was that Miami, it was in the middle of a drive, or as it turns out, the end of a drive. But they got the ball back. It was about five and a half minutes left in the game. They picked up three first downs. So it's not like, you know, they just got the ball, like, and now we're doing the math. Nah, man, you've had plenty of time to do the math. You kept picking up first down. They picked up three. And as soon as they got that last first down, somebody should have said, all right, Georgia Tech has one timeout left. So after that timeout, we're good. Kneel it out. And they ran a play on second down, which they didn't have to do. And then they ran the fateful play on third down, which they didn't have to do. So dumb. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Could not believe it. Steve Logan tells us two things. I love quoting Steve Logan because it's so uh, it's so important for football fans. One, the hardest thing to do is to win a game. Uh, Logan used to say that all the time. People undervalue how how hard it is to win a game. Yes, you have a fifty fifty chance theoretically going in. Doesn't make it easy to do. And when you have the game given to not given to you but it's there all and all you have to do is essentially take the snap twice and you lose that game you just can't you just can't do that coaches are supposed to put their teams in the best position to win not take wins away and the other thing that Logan likes to say is coaching matters right Jeff Brom at Louisville, coaching matters. Kyle Shanahan with the San Francisco 49ers, coaching matters. More great news for carry commuters. With the new GoCarry app, you can track your bus live on the interactive map feature. Stay informed with the latest news and service updates right at your fingertips. Save your favorite locations and routes for quick and easy access, making your daily commute a breeze. Plus, with the GoCarry app, you can easily connect to GoCarry.org for even more resources and information. Best of all, the GoCarry app is absolutely free to download on the Apple and Google Play stores. GoCarry, where getting there is just a tap away.